Welcome to the Compassion Parenting Podcast, helping moms to love wisely and well. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Wild, integrative pediatrician and mom of eight sons who continually challenge and teach me. Over the years, I've learned that rather than outward technique, it's the internal landscape of the heart that affects parenting more than anything else. Mothering is about being, not just doing. You have everything you need within you to become the parent you want to be. So let's bring it out. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Brad Baldridge. He is a college funding specialist and the host of the podcast, Taming the High Cost of College. So welcome, Brad. Hi, thanks for having me. This topic is, you know, some of you might be thinking like, why are we talking about this when we're talking about compassion parenting? But really, these temporal concerns are things that can add a lot to our stress as parents, as teens, and as we can address some of these more logistical issues, it can be really setting us up to have a better emotional relationship and um, a greater sense of well-being. So Brad, um, first of all, could you talk with us about how parents can plan ahead and prepare for this time of college applications? When does it really begin? I mean, it begins at birth, potentially, some would say, but I like to divide it in what I call early stage planning and late stage planning. Late stage planning is kind of when you really start to have to jump in and figure it all out. So you're going to do college visits, you're going to do testing, you're going to try and figure out, you know, what I want to be when I grow up as far as the student's concerned. And then parents are going to start diving into, you know, need-based aid. Will they qualify for financial aid, merit aid, loans, filling out forms, you know, the financial aid forms, filling out the applications, all that stuff that you need to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, early stage is college is going to happen someday. Maybe we should save or invest or what can we do early on to make our life better when we get there? Mm-hmm. Now, for most families, whether you've saved a big pile of money or you have no money at all, the late stage process can be stressful. It's a lot of work. It's a, at a time often when a lot of teenagers are starting to get into that phase where mom and dad don't know anything. And <laughs> so you play this you know, reverse psychology. If I say I like this college too much, then they're not going to like it. So I, I better be, I better be quiet. Um, those types of things are going on on top of, well, how are we going to pay for all this? Why did anybody tell me this was so expensive? You know, so that's kind of the overview. So what does that really mean? If you learn nothing from this podcast, other than start early, then that, you know, that alone is good advice. Right. And what does that mean? Well, I think you need to jump into late stage planning as a parent sophomore year. Wow. And, potentially freshmen, but you need to start understanding how financial aid works. Maybe you do some visits, maybe you, you know, look into financial aid or loans or just start learning the vernacular. And again, as you know, a lot of parents will tell you after their fourth kid, they kind of figured it out and they wish they could go back and do the first couple over because it's like, well, we didn't do it very well because we learn more every time. And that's the, I think that one of the challenges is there's a lot to learn and most parents run out of time long before they get it all figured out as best as possible. 
Mm -hmm. um, this can be very complicated. It's also important to realize that your student may not be ready, but there's things that parents can do with or without the student. So maybe your student's not mature enough to visit, but that doesn't mean you can't start thinking about, well, what is our budget for college? And is that budget reasonable compared to what college actually costs? I mean, we've all heard college is expensive. When you actually start trying to figure out, well, what does it mean if I'm going to spend 20000 a year? You know, how much do I have saved? You know, do I have 1000 a month to make this work or 2000 a month to make this work? Because that's what we're talking about a lot of the time. Big piles of money or cash flow. And so, you know, as the colleges are doing their analyses of what a, a teenager can contrib contribute and parents can contribute, I hear parents saying, you know, are we going to be penalized by our preparation? Are we going to, is it going to not matter in the end that we were prepared because then they'll just figure it all in and charge us less? What are your responses to those things? Right. Yeah. So yeah, there is the need-based concept, of course, is the better you're prepared, the less you need theoretically. Mm -hmm. um, but it is based on income and assets of both the parents and the student. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it doesn't really matter that you save money. As an example, the typical state school doesn't have a lot of money to give. Mm. So they're going to look at the federal programs, which typically are for the very low income and high need families. So below 50, 60, 70,000 in income, you start getting into Pell Grants and some of those types of things. So the typical middle income family, you know, a teacher and a, or two teachers or a firefighter and a teacher or whatever, they're generally not going to qualify for the, the low income stuff. Right. So now it's going to be loans and out of pocket. So a typical state school might cost 25,000 all in 26,000, I think is the average right now. And as students and parents, you're going to pay just about the whole amount. Now, there will be loans to help and some of that type of thing, but there's not going to be a lot of free money. So, you know, that's a reasonable starting point. I have a course where that's kind of the first thing I, I call that the price to beat, right? Mm. Your local state school or your flagship state school, if you think you can get into that school, figure out how that's going to work. Because that, again, that's the one to beat. Mm. Some private schools could beat it. A lot of them won't, and you you know you could. That's what almost like the minimum you're going to pay, unless something fantastic happens and your student gets a fantastic scholarship somewhere, right? Or something that's a like good that. kind of foundation to just gives a little bit of preparation of what to expect, right? So, and is there ever a time when it's just kind of too late, you know, when we maybe are coming up with our first kid and they're in their senior year and we really haven't we're kind of like caught like a deer in the in the headlights um yes you know some other people in the college planning world call that hair on fire right is uh, you know we've got a situation where you know we're in panic mode and we didn't prepare well and it's not a good place to be now again it's never too late most of the time you're going to wish you started earlier unfortunately yeah. and again you just do the best you can with where you're at and what options you you have um you know, I do get those calls occasionally, you know, I, this past summer, I remember one distinctly where a, a dad called me and said, well, I need to figure out where all the loans where my son can borrow money for college. You know, I had heard that I'm not supposed to mess up my retirement and the kids can just borrow money for college. And it's like, well, that's not exactly right. Mom and dad can borrow lots of money for college. Mom and dad can co-sign for college. 
but a student's not doesn't have unlimited resources as far as borrowing. They can only borrow a small amount typically. Fifty five hundred as a freshman. Wow. So again, parents can borrow the fifty thousand or the hundred thousand or for the college career or whatever it might be. But students generally cannot. You know, so that was an example of you know, he's misinformed. It's the eleventh hour and he needs to raise twenty five thousand and he doesn't feel like it's his responsibility. Well, now he's in a tough spot. It's either he borrows the money, they say no, find a different path, but there was no good outcomes there, most likely. I know that in your work, you emphasize a lot about finding the school that's the best value and the best fit. Can you tell us a little bit about that concept and, and how to begin scouting? Right. There's a challenge around college in that they have a list price and what we would call a net price. Hmm. So the list price at Harvard is approaching eighty-five thousand, and many of the large, you know, the high-end private schools. The average state school is about twenty-six thousand now, and you know some of the lower-cost states maybe that's down to twenty-two, even twenty. Some, but a lot of the states now higher cost, Illinois and New Jersey and stuff. That even the state schools are approaching thirty. Hmm. Now that's all in. So that's tuition, room and board, books, fees, mm. the whole cost of a typical college student. Mm. And they publish those numbers because that's the maximum a parent could borrow as an example. So if you're going to a school that's listed at 30, you mm. could borrow 30. Mm. You go to Harvard, you could borrow all 85. Again, I'm not saying you should, mm. I'm saying you could. But a lot of times that at Harvard, you know, they have aid and your net cost at Harvard might actually be, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 40,000, 60,000, somewhere in between, depending on your financial aid situation. Mm -hmm. And that could be need or it could be merit. I mean, technically at Harvard, they don't offer merit, but many schools do. So a kid that could get into Harvard has that challenge, right? They could get merit aid somewhere else and they could potentially get need-based aid at Harvard. So there's six different types of schools out there. Okay. Broadly speaking, and each type of school based on your family might be a good deal or not so good of a deal. Walk us through those. <laughs> All right. So there's three kinds of public schools. There's the, your in-state state school. Again, we already mentioned the kind of the price to beat. Um, and then we have the out-of-state state school that really doesn't offer a lot of aid. So usually that's the high-end state schools, so the UC schools. Right. If you want to go to California and go to UC Berkeley or UCLA, most of the time you're going to pay full out-of-state price and it's going to be quite expensive. And they don't offer a lot of aid. Yeah, That's how they balance the budget. And lots of other schools like here, my neck of the woods, University of Wisconsin, University of Illinois, um, Georgia Tech, uh, UVA, some of these top schools, they tend to charge full price and they take that extra funds and they use it for in-state kids that need scholarships and stuff like that mm. um, because people are clamoring to get into these schools they can do that mm -hmm. now in between there there's other state schools that don't have the cachet and they're not able to command full price and a lot of those schools will you know they publish an out-of-state price that's often triple as far as tuition mm -hmm. and room and board and all those things are generally the same but they, okay. you know they triple the tuition but in order to attract students from out of state, they're willing to offer scholarships or other discounts and bring it back down to something. Now, um, a lot of times colleges don't want to go below the in-state price because that's kind of political suicide to say, well, I pay taxes in the state and I have to pay more than 
that person that's coming from out of state, that right. doesn't seem fair, right? right? So a lot of times due to politics, they're not gonna give you a better deal than the in-state price, but a lot of times for the right students, they'll get you really close or maybe even match it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's exceptions um, as well. That's another key point is there's always exceptions and there's probably exceptions to the exceptions. Yeah. Um, it's very convoluted. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are the three state schools, right? The in-state, you automatically get a good price. The out-of-state where you may pay, pay full or you may get some sort of deal. And then there's things like reciprocity and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the three private schools. So the private schools would be the, you know, the elite schools. So the Harvard and Yale, that there's maybe 30, 40 schools like, you know, University of Chicago and Northwestern and um, Notre Dame and Rice and mm-hmm. John Hopkins, you know, those types of schools yeah. where... Again, they're very much in demand. They're very, they can be very selective. They get, you know, 25, 35, 40,000 applications for 1,500 spots or 2,000 spots. And their list price is very expensive. Now, a lot of them don't offer any sort of merit aid. Again, you got to be a rock star just to get accepted. Right. So they don't try and figure out who's the rockiest rock star. They just <laughs> say nobody gets aid based on merit. Yeah but they can be extremely generous when it comes to need-based aid. Mm-hmm. Again, because they've got billion do- billions of dollars in endowment and um, they're just in a different place than a typical, typical school. They, you know, they don't, they're not tuition driven. They've got plenty of cash flow, and they're building their classes and stuff as a combination of what's good for them and what meets the politics of the day and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's that's that group, but then we have all the other private schools that don't, you know, have that luxury of having huge endowments and big donors and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they t- tend to have to try and compete with you know the state prices and that type of thing. Now, some of those schools, you know, might list at fifty or sixty, or you know, some of them get up to seventy even, but a lot of them will offer you know, $25,000 scholarships or $30,000 scholarships mm-hmm. on average. And for the kids they really want, maybe it's 40,000. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about a state school is 25,000, but this private school over here is 65. Well, it's 65 for some, but some will get a substantial scholarship. So it'll be 30. So now as a family, you're saying, well, I can go to the state school for 25, right? And go to this private school for 30. That's close enough that we'll take the school that's the better fit you know we like this school because it has the right major or we want this school because it's big or small or has the football team that we want to cheer for or Mm -hmm. grandpa went here so i want to go here whatever the reason right is but the price is close enough that's a possibility you know a lot lot of these schools realize that local state school 25 where 65 is just not going to work so i would boil the private schools to the private schools that want you and therefore are willing to put some dollars and discounts mm-hmm. to where the private schools that will just accept you. Mm-hmm. Because there's another layer, right, where a typical student, you know, let's do this an example. A student that can get into Notre Dame and just barely get in might be reasonable scholarship material at a Marquette or a Loyola or schools like that. Mm-hmm. And then some small school you've never heard of, Clark College or... Carol, or, you know, they might actually be substantial scholarship material. Right. The challenge is the prestige gets in the way, right? Where if you're 
have the ability to get into a Notre Dame, you're a strong student. And then you feel like a lot of times it's, I work so hard. Now I want to go there. But if you just barely get accepted, they're not interested in giving you a scholarship. You're average or below average. And if, if you're not willing to come and pay a substantial price, next is their opinion. You know, you're not impressive to them. Whereas at these other schools, you would be impressive. You know, there are many private schools, as an example, offer 5, 10, 15, 20 scholarships that are you know full tuition or full tuition and room and board. It's the presidential scholar or, you know, and again, they have their various names, of course. There's only six of them, let's say, and they invite 25 of their top applicants to apply for that scholarship and six of them will win. Um, but if you have the shot at being, you know, doing that, all of a sudden that's a substantially different situation. And again, are you willing to do that at a quote unquote lesser school? And again, I don't, I don't believe they're lesser. All right? I get very frustrated by the prestige thing. And I think it's helpful to have you break that down for us in that way to kind of map it out so we can kind of see where we in our financial state and our child in their merit state will kind of stack up for these different schools and how we may be received and perceived. I imagine then in the college application process, it would make sense to perhaps um, apply to a collection of maybe some schools in the different categories to to kind of see how the the different combinations work. Do you give advising about, you know, how many colleges to apply to and how much debt to allow oneself to be in at the end of the, you know, right. college career? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so as you kind of think through this process, you know, it's one thing to say, well, we're going to give up the lake home or stop driving fancy cars in order to pay for college. Mm-hmm. It's another to say, you know, I'm going to decimate my financial future to pay for college. You know, I'm not going to be able to retire because I paid for college. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is there's no, you know, it's a case by case type of thing where some families can afford to pay substantial amounts for college if they want to, and they're willing to delete other things that they don't feel are as important. And in some families, they need to be very careful to not spend too much and you know need to consider the state school and seriously and again look at other options and maybe they can find you know schools that will come in at a good price and one of the important things that i help families do is figure out what it's going to cost long before you apply the, the system is broken in my opinion the way it works now which is you don't really find out the price till the end of the process you apply fill out your financial aid forms they give you an offer right at the very end and they say all right now you've got a month to make your decision and you've got four or five offers from four or five schools potentially and you're trying to decide now which of these makes sense and where it can get frustrating is well if i'd have known that these offers were going to be like this we wouldn't even apply to these schools it kind of reminds me of medicine you know as a pediatrician just the idea of transparency how there's more of a push to actually have a patient know what they're truly investing in when they go along this path of you know, getting certain tests and getting certain treatments. And so often the patients are clueless and even the doctors themselves have been clueless and have kind of been removed from that financial equation at the detriment of everyone, you know? Because, yes, exactly. And, and so I think there that would be such a beautiful thing to have greater transparency. Right, exactly. So like on my website, we've got a cost of colleges by state 
um, where you can actually pull down a chart that would show, you know, the top public and private schools in the state, and then based on income, what the average price was after aid. So as an example, in, in my state, the state schools, again, when you get to the higher incomes, the state schools, a lot of states are full, you know, nearly full price. There's the occasional basketball player and that type of thing that brings, you know, that brings the average down. But I always tell people, if you don't know a good reason why your student's not going to pay full price at the state school, you probably are. You know, again, I've got the basketball player. He's going to get a scholarship. Okay, well, then you have a shot. Or there's this particular scholarship at our state school that they're qualified for, and I think we'll win it. Okay. But if you don't know of it, again, you're likely to pay full price. And there's a few states, Florida and, and Louisiana and others that offer state scholarships to the state schools for the right students, where there is a, a broad three or five or ten thousand dollars off that many anybody with a B average or better gets a couple thousand off or something like that. And if you're in one of those states, you should learn how that works. I think there are two issues sometimes we see that a lot of kids don't see, especially if they come from a background where they haven't had um, family members that have gone to college and they don't have a really strong financial base. Sometimes they don't even see that as a possibility for themselves, but there really actually can be a lot of aid out there available. And so um, that's one thing also that I wish is that more families and teens would realize the possibilities, um, mm -hmm. um, especially when they see that there are so many options. It's it's not that college costs X. It's there's right. so many different ways to go about it. and. I also do like how you emphasize that perhaps the prestige is overrated because more and more the idea of having a bachelor's degree, you know, for some careers it's not even required, but um, in many places it is expected, but people don't always care where you got it from. And right. so then to come with a price tag of, you know, $80,000 of debt that suddenly you, you are entering into the workforce with versus no debt, a totally different situation. And more and more, there's data about, you know, this high pressure academic state sometimes is not always the most um, fostering of emotional wellness either. So I think there are many things to consider in choosing the right fit for a college for sure. Absolutely. Um, so if you could break it down to three top tips that you would tell every parent of a teen or a child who has their sights on college, what are, are the three top things that you would guide us to do? Right. Well, I think the first one, as I've already mentioned, right, is start earlier than you think. Yes. I've never, ever had anyone tell me I started this too early, but I've had hundreds of people tell me. I started this later than I should have. Yeah. Um, so that's always the first thing. But the other thing is then realize that this is a process. This isn't a you're going to sit down and figure it out one Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, you know, I got to start learning about it. Maybe I'll plug in at the high school. Maybe I'll, you know, go listen to Brad's podcast, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And start learning. And then we're going to go do some visits and we'll learn some stuff. And then based on what we learn, then maybe we'll visit some other types of schools and you know and some kids are focused they know what they want to be when they grow up from sophomore year they said i want to be a teacher mm -hmm. and they've never wavered you know and then some kids of course have changed their major every week 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, so all those things kind of play into it. So it's a process where I, you know, I have, have parents say things like, well, we can't visit a school because my son can't pick a major. And if we don't know a major, we don't know where, what school to, to go look at and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you got to break the log jam somehow. So a lot of times doing some visits and trying to figure out what majors are offered and seeing a big school and a small school and going to an information session about, you know, a lot of colleges have like a medical day where they have PA and PT and pre-med and nursing, all the faculty, and they talk about the pros and cons and how it works. And you can go on a Saturday where your student might, and it might not be a college you're interested in attending because it's right in your backyard, but you could go learn about all these medical fields to help with, you know, again, most students, you know, there's tons of professions out there. And as you think about it, you realize that, but most people start with, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, (laughs) teacher, and then, then they're done. Right. And so what else is there? Well, there's a lot more. So start early, realize that it's, it's a process that you're going to go through, you know, from a working with your student and from a, well, what can we afford and how are we going to balance three kids and is college more or less important than, you know, cable TV. And then I guess the last thing is try not to let it get too stressful, which is easy to say, hard to do. Again, if you spread it out a little bit, that's the first thing, right? If you start earlier so that you can say, you know, we're just not going to deal with college for the next three weeks. We've had enough for a while. It's getting stressful. We can take a break. I've seen where families say, well, Tuesdays at eight o'clock is our college meeting. And we don't talk about college except Tuesdays at eight o'clock. Therefore, you know, that, that thing about, well, did you do this yet? Did you do that yet? That constant nagging or, you know, it's, it's always kind of floating in the room. It always comes up at dinner and it's like, you know, it gets so pervasive. I think about for a lot of families. Yeah. I like that idea of compartmentalizing it. I, I like that. And then with the idea of compassion, the way I talk about compassion is, you know, looking at the true meaning of the word of suffering with or standing with. And we as parents, we can really be that steadying force for our child who's also navigating something new. You know, maybe we're navigating something new together, but we have to stand our ground, find our ground and be an anchor point for our kids rather than getting sucked up in the stress of it and even making it more stressful for our kids than it needs to be. So really standing up to really be that steadying influence, that standing with our our child or our teenager through this process. Well, thank you so Mm -hmm. much for those valuable tips that you gave us. And I'm sure that many of our listeners will want to hear more from you. So where's the best place for them to find you? Right. So everything I'm doing is available at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. So I've got a podcast that, again, that's a great place for people to start. Again, I've got a number of guests and, you know, all kinds of expertise. And then a couple, I did a 10 podcast series where we talk about kind of the 10 key areas around college planning, you know, scholarships and visits and, you know, again, 10 topics where you can kind of get up to speed quickly that way. Great. Um, Resources like the um, chart that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And then another big one is the scholarship guide for busy parents. 
Hmm. which is again a four video series talking about how scholarships work and get you up to speed quickly so you then you can decide well which types of scholarships make sense for us so that you don't spend a lot of time spinning your wheels and you know a lot of people talk about scholarships many families don't do much about scholarships because it's again a huge overwhelming topic and there's different types right there's scholarships from the colleges there's scholarships from outside sources so that's another big one. Um, and then we offer an email newsletter. So there's all kinds of resources. And if you're interested in taking a step further, we've got a course that you can purchase. Or if you want to, if interested in working with me directly, that's a possibility. You just click on the work with Brad. Wonderful. Well, that sounds so helpful. And, and I have learned some things, even as a parent who has sent a couple kids to college and am currently in the process I'm so happy to learn of your resources and to connect my community with them. So thank you so much, Brad, for the time you've taken with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Compassion Parenting Podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What resonated with you? What questions came up? Let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Compassion Parenting or within my free Facebook group, Parenting Well, Raising Compassionate and Productive Humans. Links are in the show notes. If you've gained insight from the time we've shared today, leave a review and subscribe. There's a quick how-to in the show notes. Have a blessed week. May you love yourself, your family, and the world wisely and well.